nishtana halayla hazeh mikol halaylot. That's the beginning of the four questions, a passage that'll be sung by the youngest child in many Passover Seder ceremonies in homes around the world next week, when the festival of Passover begins on the night of Wednesday, April the 5th. Those questions are the lead-in to the requirement of telling the story of Passover, of the Israelites' liberation from slavery in Egypt. And it's one of the many parts of the Seder that puts children right at the center of the experience. Another one is the next part, which describes four different kinds of children. Usually they call them the wise child, the wicked child, the simple child, and the child who doesn't know how to ask. But this year, Toronto teacher Pearl Richmond is hoping satyrs will take a new approach, with new inclusive language, using words that accept and celebrate diverse children, not shame them. And she's even added a fifth child to the evening. What I felt I wanted to do for my family was to make it matter. And I I didn't want them like rolling their eyes and like, oh, when is this over? I didn't want that experience for them. And I didn't want it for me either. So I wanted to make it matter. I'm Ellen Besner, and this is what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, a podcast of the Canadian Jewish News, sponsored by Metropia. For Pearl Richmond, Passover is hands down her favorite Jewish holiday. The retired Toronto teacher has always tried to add something new every year to her seders. Her Haggadah even had so many sticky notes and photocopied articles in it that when she led the seders, eventually it was so unwieldy that her mother Lil suggested Pearl get rid of the mess and create a Haggadah of her own. So she did back in 2017. That book sparked a whole new career path. Richmond started producing other pieces of Passover Judaica, and her latest item, with her daughter Maxie, is a kid's version of a Haggadah called Hug It Out. It's 47 pages. It's illustrated, and she wrote it to tell the Passover Seder story through the eyes of two fictional kids, Annie and Arnie, a brother and sister, with a lot of inclusion, especially for LGBTQ children, as Maxie is in real life. Coming up, Pearl Richmond will be here to explain updating the stories we tell in our satyrs right after this message. During World War II, the Nazis began a little-known program of extermination for their own children. In Peter Klenot's new mystery thriller, The Unwanted, 14-year-old Hannah Ziegler is being driven by her grandfather and her psychiatrist to a euthanasia center. 16-year-old Silky Hartenstein graces the cover of Nazi propaganda magazines. Avi Kreisler is a Munich police detective rounded up for Dachau. And a patrician father hopes his son, David McAuliffe, will be elected the first Catholic president of the United States. In The Unwanted, in the aftermath of war, revenge brings these four people together in ways unimaginable. The Unwanted. Do not skip to the last page. Find it at Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Pearl Richmond joins me now from Toronto. So great to meet you and thank you for having me. Well, we're so interested in having you because we're speaking about your Judaica project that has changed sort of your life in the last five years, the Haggadah Collective. Congratulations on the success. Thank you. Can you tell us just a little bit about how you chose the name for this project, the Haggadah Collective? Start with that. Okay. So, I mean, obviously, when I first began creating the Haggadah, um, I wanted the name of the company to say something, but I also wanted to have a bit of the cool factor because while it is 
a traditional Haggadah and it's filled with um, all the traditions that one would want in a Haggadah. It's also infused with a lot of modern, spiritual and beautiful concepts that can really elevate Passover. I want to talk about the, the four children because yeah. it's not a new thing that people who have read these Haggadahs have issues in modern times with the way the, the children are described, the language that Haggadahs used to describe them, the wicked child and, and things like that. You've wiped that slate clean for a 21st century yeah. um, society. Can you talk about why you did that and, and yeah. what are the why do words matter now? Yeah, words really matter. I kept wise because wise is positive. The one that really, really disturbed me was saying that a child is wicked. No child's wicked. No child is born wicked. Perhaps things have happened to them that have made them behave in a certain manner. So that was not going to be acceptable for me. Um, so I changed it to challenging. You know, at, as a mom, as a teacher, there are kids that are a little more challenging and they need extra love. I remember teaching grade one in my first year and I, I, I couldn't connect to this one kid. And I was really frustrated by that. And I remember saying to a, a, a colleague, I want to connect to this kid, but like, mm, kid drives me crazy. And she said, those are the kids you have to love more. And I'm like, I never thought of that. And I did. And that's what I did with this child. And it was not, not momentarily, mom like it wasn't like immediate. But I'm telling you that child became one of my most special kids because he, he needed more. So the notion of calling a child wicked is not okay with me. So I changed it challenging because I think we can all relate to that. I know that they call children simple and I think there's a connotation to that that I don't appreciate at all. And I just call them innocent because they just haven't learned yet or haven't found the right way to learn yet or nobody's taught them in a way that they can learn. So I changed that too. Like why can't, like children are, are magical and they need, they need that kind of support and love. So we're not starting off by calling them negative names. I kept the child who does not know how to ask a question because there are kids that are shy or they, they feel intimidated or they don't, they, they're, they're, they don't want to volunteer. They just want to be quiet and that's okay. So it's just meeting a kid where they're at. And that's the whole notion with Hug It Out. Like I wanted kids to have a voice at that table. I wanted, if they could read, they can lead the Seder. One parent said it was crazy. Her seven-year-old literally led the Seder by reading, going, just turning the page and reading the text. It promoted conversation for big ideas and it empowered that kid. Even if they can't read, they can look at the, they can do the dabbing. They can look at the pictures. The names of the kids who are the main characters, where did those two names come from? They're very, very meaningful. Um, so Maxie and I, I remember we were sitting on the couch, we were going over the document I, and she's like, something's missing mom. Like these, cause we worked with an illustrator for a year to try and get what was in my brain. And she did it. Like, she's amazing, Aaron, Aaron Siegel. The inspiration of the look of them were my own kids, Maxie and Cole. Um, so when she said that to me, I said, you're right. She's like, they need names. And then she looked at me and she was quiet for a moment. And she's like, let's name them after Annabelle and Arlene, who are my sisters who, who had passed away. And I'm like, that's exactly what this needs. 
And so we found names. We went with Annie for Annabelle and Arnie for Arlene. But the word collective also uh, is meaningful too, because this isn't just coming straight from you. You have a collective of family members who helped you put it right. together. Who are the people who helped put it together? Where did where did all this stuff originate so, from? I, I was always kind of a keen student of uh, watching my mom, you know, uh, create our family satyrs. And um, she always, always opened the satyr with something that would resonate with all of us. So she was very thoughtful about creating a satyr. And she brought a few different elements that I absolutely loved. And I always insisted. And one of those elements was the fifth child. And that was the one that I always insisted on reading. I have a real connection with Holocaust and understanding it. And um, as my father was a Holocaust survivor. So that really resonated with me. And every year since I took over 30 some odd years ago, making our family satyrs, that was something that I always included in it. So yes, she was the inspiration. She sort of set an example and a tone for what these dinners were, these satyrs were, it wasn't just food. If you have an opportunity to share information, plant some seeds, she was the one that showed me that that's, that's the way to go to make these kind of family um, holidays more meaningful. Um, so that was that. And then on my journey, I collected a million different resources because I wanted my kids to, I wanted it to matter. I wanted my kids to be involved. I wanted it to be modern. I wanted to bring some social justice into it. Like if you've got people at your Seder and that's so teacher of me, like I've, I've got an audience. Let's, let's make this more meaningful. Let's make it matter. Let's have an opportunity to plant a seed to make our experience resonate more. and. And so it was a collection. Um, actually, one of the elements that I included was a CJN article that Rabbi Friedman Cole, um, it was a CJN article that Rabbi Friedman Cole wrote. And what he did was he um, took the four cups of wine and he gave his interpretation of what they could be. I'm like, this is so beautiful. I still have the article. And I thought, I'm infusing, I'm including that. That was 2008. I'm putting that into our family um, Seder. And then when I created the Haggadah, I asked his permission. Um, he's someone who has helped my family through some difficult times. And he said it would be his honor. So he's, in, he's right in there as well um, for the interpretation of the four cups of wine which I loved. I have a fifth cup, but the four cups of wine um, really, like, why not? Like, why are we just drinking them and having and saying a blessing? Let's think about something. For the first cup, we, we think about the love of our family. For the second cup, we think about kindness and empathy. For the third cup, we think about gratitude and, and having positive thoughts. And the fourth cup, we talk about the strength and resilience of the Jewish people. And of course, the fifth cup, um, which I've included in our Haggadah, is um, is the plight of refugees, because the story is about us being refugees and keeping our hearts and our country open to helping them reestablish from wherever they were. So I just, 
there's there it, it does take a, a take a village when my kids were my son went to a boys school and they asked me to come in and do something about passover and i went to israel's actually and i found a book called miriam's cup i didn't know anything about miriam's cup i didn't know about honoring women at the seder table and i'm like this is brilliant and even more brilliant to take it to a boys school because the story it was it felt to me so male oriented let's celebrate women were there too pretty sure so let's let's celebrate their role um so it it was many years of of collecting items and then in 2020 sorry when my daughter was 21 she came out to us and i wanted to include that experience into our passover seder and we we did some research and found the putting the orange on the seder table i didn't know about that and that just and i said maxie is this okay and she's like yeah like i feel like you're honoring this community the lgbtq community you're honoring the voice of women and why not so every year since then that's been on our seder table so i'm always open to including more but it became crazy elit with the, the millions of paper and i was it was like a three ring circus give that back to me okay don't forget that one give it back to me it was like insane and my mom said okay in 27 end of 2017 she's like okay it's enough we all need a document we all need to be on the same page and because i wanted that i wanted the ease of things for me too um i created what i created and then i couldn't just you know staple pages together so i made it what it is and um the texture of it everything about it the photographs um were very important to me that it was both beautiful you know it's like when you say tell describe someone as they're beautiful inside and out i wanted that for the hagada as well now you mentioned uh, you know inclusiveness and diversity It sounds like a book that modern school boards or bookstores now are are selling for kids anyway which mm-hmm. tells stories of people who perhaps were marginalized and are now not or still marginalized. How different do you think seders should be now compared to the traditional manischewitz orange red and black and yellow, you know, that book that many many people got for free? Me too. Me too. Well, I think the the notion of should is what people should be doing is really personal. Okay, so now that you have this book and this is it, you're not adding any more sticky notes or anything this year or do, do you have something new for this year well, too for your introducing? I I last last year I introduced um an olive branch that I put olives on the Seder plate to um sort of just to represent encouraging peace in Ukraine. But I and I think I will do the same obviously we're still in that war but just peace in general like honestly ellen like it has really impacted me as i'm sure it has you the rise of antisemitism and the hatred and the vitriol and i i just all i want to do is put out goodness and kindness and beauty and and just be be a good example for my own family but also like in the community like i taught with a lot of people many for many years that weren't jewish and it was it was it not i guess it is conscious decision to just show them what a what a good person is and that i happen to be jewish as well because who knows what preconceived notions people come into this world with about us and it sometimes it's not it's not pretty so i just 
that I, I've learned that from my mom to A, treat people the way you want to be treated, but also to just be a mensch in the world. You can find out more about Pearl Richmond's Passover collection in our new CJN Passover magazine, which is coming out this week. It's for subscribers and donors, or you can check out her website. The link is in our show notes. And that's what Jewish Canada sounds like for this episode of the CJN Daily, sponsored by Metropia. Integrity, community, quality, and customer care. Today's listener shout-out goes to Gary Goldberg in Toronto. And we'll end with this note about a worldwide appeal to help save the life of a young Jewish man who's a father and a husband in Australia. His name is Murray Fulton. He's 42, and he has a rare type of blood cancer. It's called myelofibrosis. He needs a stem cell transfer from bone marrow from somebody with a matching tissue type. And right now they haven't found any matches for him in the Ezer Metzion donor pool. So that Israeli organization is reaching out to Jewish communities around the world to help Murray find a match. If you're Ashkenazi Jewish and between 18 and 45 years old, all you have to do is swab your cheek. To get a swab kit, please email Canada at EzerMetzion.ca. And the link is also in our show notes. Thanks for listening to the CJN Daily. We'll be back tomorrow.